That is right. It is the boys of summer. Welcome to Talking Giants episode 169. Nice. It is me, Justin Pennick, your co-host, coming to you from New Jersey, and I am joined by breaking news, Danny King, coming to you from Long Island. Danny King, how are you doing today? I'm 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 doing good, Justin. I'm glad to be on the 169th episode of Talking Giants. Gotta gotta love it. Such childish minds we have, but I'm doing good. Uh, I wish it was I was here under you know. Some more better better news, I guess I would say it, but hey, just glad to be on. Yeah, we'll start off with uh with some sad and unfortunate news. Uh Danny Danny and I both uh knew um and recognized this person uh, this this person, this this companion as almost the third co-host from time to time. Bobby's dog, um and why Bobby's not joining us is Bobby's sweet dog Lucy has unfortunately passed away. Um, this really only adds to what has been a, a pretty a pretty difficult year for the Talking Giants crew as a whole, uh, but especially Bobby. So Bobby's going to take his time. You know, please please think of Bobby. Think of Lucy. I mean, Lucy I think has been around with Bobby for you know almost eight years, maybe even a little bit longer than that. Bobby's moved from place to place through various points in his life, and Lucy's been there every step of the way for him. You know, and obviously, like I said, Danny, Lucy has been the third co-host to Talking Giants from time to time. So we're thinking of you, Bobby. We're thinking of you, Lucy. Uh, I am not looking forward to the day where I have to say goodbye uh, to my first dog. So we're thinking of you, Bobby, and uh, Bobby will be back soon. But we're thinking of you, and we got you covered. No, yeah, it's always hard to have to put down a dog, especially a dog that been such a big part of one's life but yeah i mean he'll be back we're all thinking of you bobby he'll all get better at one point but uh, yeah i mean i guess this podcast about talking giants let's let's talk some giants yeah that's 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 what we're doing we trucked uh, we trucked along after anthony you know we obviously we we took a we took a couple days to to grieve personally but you know why we're here is to is to talk giants and why we're here is to be a distraction for you know, all the crappiness that's happening around us in this world. You know, fo- football's a distraction away from your from your life. The Giants are a distraction, especially when they're good and they're not causing us heartburn and they're not giving us gray hairs. But that's what we're going to do today, and we're going to keep on trucking along. And it's uh, 4th of July week, so Danny and I, we're going to have some fun with the special episode. I'll get to the format in a few minutes because we have some news to touch on, and I have some housekeeping things that I want to take care of. I want to plug TalkingGiants.com. So TalkingGiants.com, we got the good URL. There's no underscores. There's no there's no hyphens, exclamation points, nothing. We got TalkingGiants.com. And Danny King, since you're here, I'm going to plug it for you. You have been grinding every single weekday for the past few weeks doing player previews. Now, we're going to do it on the podcast ourselves. But if you want a little preview of players and if you just want more and more Giants content, Go to TalkingGiants.com. Every weekday, Danny King is previewing a player on the Giants roster, a significant player on the Giants roster. You've been doing a good job over there. Uh, There's content on our website. There's been content on the YouTube, and obviously you're listening on the podcast. And we'll do our PPPs where we're going to break down every single significant Giants player ourselves on the podcast. But Danny King, you've been killing on TalkingGiants.com, and I also want to graduate you on graduating high school. So tell us a little bit about that. Oh uh, yeah, uh, thank you about that. I mean, if you told me 13 years ago I would be graduated from high school during the middle of a pandemic, that I would have been like, okay, yeah, that that would be fun. But no, I mean, surprisingly, I did graduate high school, and of course, obviously under a pandemic. But you know, it was good. Had some people over, 
a, a socially distanced get together. Let's make that clear. All right. Socially distanced. No one come at me on Twitter and try and cancel me like everyone's doing these days. But no, yeah, going off to college in October. But as you said, the website's doing well. Got some player previews out there. I mean, if, if you just want to look at stats and contracts, I think that's the best thing about it. It's all stats and contracts in one place. You don't got to go opening all these tabs, looking at different places. But yeah, I mean, it's all good. I mean, yeah, I'm just pumped that I'm actually done with high school. I'm graduating. I'm going off to Ithaca come the fall, hopefully at least. Yeah, and you're making the smart decision where you're actually doing what you're supposed to do with studying and wanting to get into media and wanting to get into whether it's journalism or getting getting into sports. Unlike Bobby and I, where we took very unconventional paths of getting here, you actually have the advantage, believe it or not, Danny King. So so congratulations. You took some awesome graduation photos, you know, with the the black shirt. It was a tough, like dark. It was tough. And the the sunglasses, too, with the beautiful view. I think you were on some sort of bridge overlooking water. It was awesome. Some awesome graduation photos. I don't know if that would have happened if not for this interesting circumstance and this interesting uh, life that we're living right now. So, you know what? You, 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 take, you take what you can get. When life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. And that's your life philosophy, Danny. Oh, yeah. I would have to listen to the Bourne speeches, hear the valedictorian speech and the salutatorian. I would have I would have fallen asleep. But it was nice and simple. I got out there, got some nice photos. They even gave me some gifts like they, they never give you gifts at graduation. I got a $50 Amazon gift card. Right. I'm balling wow. out in these streets right now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. So once again, congratulations. Check out TalkingGiants.com. We have some news to get to before we get to our segment and our main segment, what we'll be doing today. But we got some news. It's it's we're kind of reaching for news, but it's something. It's something. It's the fourth of July week. We're kind of chilling. We're kind of relaxing. But you want to know who's not relaxing? Evan Ingram is running without a boot. Breaking news. I wish I had a sound bite where it was an alarm and it was like a tornado alarm because Evan Ingram is running. He is running without a boot. And uh he he's grinding. He's working. So Danny King, I have nothing else to say to that besides. Great, wonderful, uh, don't hurt yourself again. Yeah, I mean, if we wanted to, we could drag this out for God knows how long, talk about Evan Ingram just running without a boot. But, I mean, it's progress, so if training camp does start on time, he should be at least ready to go for that or whatever training camp's going to look like because who even who even knows what training camp's going to look like this year? But he should be good to go, so that's the most important thing. Another piece of news is Daniel Jones released another, or no, not Daniel Jones himself, but QB Country in North Carolina. They released another workout video. This time, it was a lot better than the first one that they released earlier in the offseason, where it was just like a videographer and you had the on-field audio. This one was nice. This one was edited. I think the intern did a really good job making the second video compared to the first one. And Daniel, uh, two things, two things, Danny King. Daniel Jones is looking thick, and I wrote down in my notes, T-H-I-C-C-E. Daniel Jones is looking thick with those uh, eight, what, eight extra eight extra pounds of muscle? Eight and extra pounds. he's also pounds. looking tan, and he's looking kind of tan. He's getting his tan on. Good for Danny Jones. Yeah, I mean, as you said, he is looking thick. Obviously, you didn't see a crazy amount of Daniel Jones, but you saw that his body is, has transformed a little bit from last season. But I did notice the tan. My man's trying to get tanner. Uh, I, I don't know if he already has a lady in his life, but he's trying to get Tanner, get that bod going. He's going to be a force. He's going to be trucking people this year. It's the summer bod. 
summer bods in full effect. I don't have one because, you know, no. I no. never had a summer bod in, in my life. But, I mean, I'm trying to get tan, so that that's all I can compare Daniel Jones with is a tan. No, and ever since I also started this podcasting thing two years ago, um, it's it's almost like, well, no, playing football, you would get a farmer's tan because, you know, you would have the shoulder pads on and then the sleeves would go down to a certain point. So you would get tan playing football, but it's almost like I'm playing football again where I have a terrible tan because I'm podcasting and I'm just in all day making videos or doing whatever I have to do. And I'm in, and I'm here talking about the and I'm here talking about Giants instead of playing football or just experiencing the world in general. One other final piece of news that I want to get to. This isn't really news, but I saw it and I wanted to share it. And I'm a big stack guy. So honestly, we I, I should I should talk to Bobby and put in a little creative note about Justin should come up with at least one fun stat to share every episode when when news is slow and we don't have a ton to get to. So here you go. Here's your Justin's fun stat of the week. And specifically, I love sharing stats when stats match the eye test. So NFL Next Gen stats, uh, they recently kind of just like compiled an article where they ranked the top 10 quarterbacks playing under pressure in terms of their uh, effectiveness of play while they're under pressure. Now, this list includes guys like Josh Allen, which kind of surprised me a little bit. Josh Allen, well, Josh Allen's pretty mobile, so I can imagine he, uh, I can imagine he's, you know, making some throws on the run and he's creating some positive plays with his legs. Dak Prescott is also up here. That doesn't surprise me. Matt Ryan's up here. Um, Kirk Cousins, that's kind of a surprise. But Lamar Jackson's also here. Ryan Tannehill, but Daniel Jones. Our good friend is number 10. He was ranked number 10, and he got some love. So Daniel Jones, while under pressure, had a 73.3 passer rating, a 0.2% completion rate above expected, which is good. I'll just I'll, I'll just say that that's good. Instead of going into what that stat is all about, it's good. You want to be positive in terms of your completion rate above expected because then you're completing more passes than you are expected to. And he had a 53.1% completion rate while under pressure, which if you're saying, hey, that's not that good. Well, Daniel Jones, rare. I, I think he had a 59% completion as a whole, like his total sample size from 2019. So if you're completing 53% while you're under pressure, I think that's pretty darn good. So it's kind of looking like, you know, we knew Eli Manning as a guy that was good under pressure. It's nice to see that from year one, you know, this is uh, this is a guy that's not going to back down from pressure. This is a guy that's not just going to make bad decisions with the ball and throw the ball away. You know, the numbers back it up that Daniel Jones actually did some pretty good things while he was under pressure. And that's good. So there you go. That's a fun Justin stat. Yeah, I mean, if you remember, well, it was against the Bears where Daniel Jones was like getting sacked, but he laid out that absolute beauty of a pass to Golden Tate in the end zone where he was just like, he was he was getting demolished in the backfield, but laid up uh, just a dime. So you got to love seeing Daniel Jones get some love, and you just got to love hearing no stats because, as you said, Eli was great under pressure. Uh, he had that ice in his veins, and Daniel Jones is developing that ice for one that he's in the Super Bowl and winning us our, his first game in the Super Bowl. And that was, I sounded so dumb repeating myself right there. But Daniel Jones is building up the ice in his veins. You got to love it. And especially as we're thinking about where Daniel Jones needs to improve in his game the most, it's pocket manipulation. And even though, yes, pocket manipulation, while he's not under pressure, and while he, maybe he doesn't have pressure directly in his face, it's good to hear that at least, hey, in this one regard, while Daniel Jones is in the pocket, that this is a positive. You know, when he's not fumbling the ball and when he's not losing the ball, 
know, when he has that pressure in his face, which you're going to have in the NFL, you're going to have that in the NFL more than you're going to have in college. That's a very good sign. It's a very positive sign. So here's, we'll get into the, the beef and the meat of what we're doing this episode. So here's the premise. We're approaching training camp, and we all have thoughts and takes about this football team that may be a bit outrageous. But as fans and podcasters, we want to be right about our takes, and we want to appear smart. Appear smart is the key there, because we're not very smart. So sometimes we are afraid to listen to our hearts when our brains tell us to shut up. So we're going to have some fun today, talking about this 2020 Giants team and the 2020 season as a whole, and give the takes we would never say on the podcast or never dare to tweet these things out. They could be doomsday scenarios. They could be worst case worries. They could be bold takes. They could be totally outrageous. But if there's a small portion of your brain that thinks it, and you would never say it on Twitter or the podcast, we're going to say those things today. And we're going to have fun. So Danny, short story short, the takes that we're going to have today The things that we're going to say today about football and about the New York football giants are things that we would never dare say or never dare tweet, but we're going to say it today. How do you feel about that? I feel good. Uh, I I love, you know, stirring up the pot and getting people annoyed with takes like this. Because as you said, like no one would ever say some of these takes out loud on a show or just to the it's something you keep in the back of your mind and i mean we got some good ones that I, at least i personally believe we got some good ones i as you we, you were talking i actually just added another one to my list that i think is completely outrageous and people are not gonna like but i enjoy it and i'm looking forward to saying it so this kind of idea is taken off of talking yanks a bit they had in february Right before spring training started, they had a similar kind of episode to this. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't really feel bad kind of, uh, um, you know, forming the idea a little bit in our own way because we're the same company. You know, that's that's what friends are for, Danny King. So they had a similar kind of episode. Now, I'm going to I'm going to leave it up to you. I know which one I would want to start off with. What do you want to start off with? So I kind of have things separated. We kind of have things separated into, into two categories here, the good and the bad. Which one would you like to start off with? Should we start off with the obvious one that uh, what the whole world's going through right now? A little something called COVID and the NFL season. Should we start with that one? Yeah. So let's let's maybe get the bad, all of the bad things, all of the things that we're most fearful of, um, all of the bad things out of the way, and we will end happy. I, I like ending happy and ending off on a positive note. Everyone so, loves a happy ending. <laughs> yeah, everybody does love a happy ending. That's not something that we've had in a few years. Danny King, you mentioned COVID and football's chances, so I'll I'll introduce it. You know, there's a bad part of my brain, and this might and this might be everyone's brain, but we're going to explore it a little bit here. COVID and football's chances. I'm very scared. There is a part of me that is extremely extremely scared. Now it's all going to depend. It's all going to depend on uh, basketball. It's all going to depend on baseball. Ryan Zimmerman for Major League Baseball has already opted out of playing the season. Um, I know there have been guys in the NBA that have spoken have spoken out against it. Uh, do we consider Kyrie Irving in that boat? Because Ky- well, Kyrie Irving is a little crazy in his own regard. But we're going to wait and see how those sports go. But knowing how many people it takes to make an NFL organization run, especially during training camp where you have 90 plus guys on the roster, you have so many trainers, 
you have so many assistant coaches, you have so many ball boys, you know, John Mara's my, my second cousin is John Mara. So he lets his kids, he lets those kids be the ball boys and everything like that, which I would love to have that job. I'm not hating. So there's a scary part of my brain, Danny King, that football. Okay. It may happen at first and we may start to everybody get together. Everybody starts to get together, but things are going to go wrong. And that scares me. No, yeah, I'm 100% with you because there's so many things we have to look at. Like, as you said, like, say, like, a player somehow gets through the test and and he's out there on the field, he could give it to his teammates, he could give it to the opponent. So that's one concern. Another concern we have is this second wave that everyone's talking about. Everyone's talking about the second wave in, like, you know, the winter months. The NFL plays obviously mm-hmm. in the in the fall and winter months. They they can maybe make it like four weeks into the season, maybe get through October, and then all of a sudden it picks up again. Heck, right now there there are spikes in every like basically every state except the Northeast. So you gotta also consider like training camp, like the Cardinals, uh, the Cowboys, Houston, the Texans, where they are, they're going through a, a very big spike right now. So there's so many factors that we just we just don't know so much about this virus because we're still technically in the first wave when that second wave comes obviously you would hope we're better prepared but i don't think you can go out there and play football and then in the middle of a, a second wave of a pandemic that'd be foolish silly and you're risking players and i think some players at that point would be like is it worth it for me to go out there on the field and play and bring something home to my family because say like what did all of a sudden they do the bubble thing and they nfl players don't see their family for like 16 weeks that's wild, and some players may not want to do that. So I do have some real concerns about coronavirus, and the NFL has to be concerned as well. Can they really get a season in? Yeah, there was a New York Post article that at first I kind of just glanced by, it and I, I, I glanced by it and I scrolled it, and I was like, all right, that's that's a little bit of a stretch. But the New York Post article was like, we need to think about like the mental health of NBA players in the bubble. Now I'm like, okay, like let's let's take a step back. Let's maybe not get that dramatic about things. And I'm not I'm not going to go into it. I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a, a mental health expert or anything like that. But Danny, it's a thing that's in the in the very far back part of my brain, and I'm extremely extremely scared about it. And that's why I think we wanted to just bring it up first. We, it was a Band-Aid. We ripped it off. We did good. And again, these are things that we would never say publicly. I would never, ever tweet out that I'm very scared that football's not going to happen. But we did it, and we said it. And I'm glad we talked about it. I feel a lot better. Yeah, it, it has to be said. Because like, if you don't think that's a possibility, one, I, I, you're crazy. I don't know what to tell you. And two, we just let you know that it, it's, it's it's as I said, it's possible. But we had to get that off our chest to get, honestly, I think probably the worst of our scenarios out. Yeah. Um, where where do you want to where do you want to go next? You brought up COVID, so can I bring up something? Go right ahead. We're getting some of the obvious ones out of the way. Sterling Shepard, Sterling Shepard, and the wide receiver. Shep goes down with the concussion. His career is uncertain, and the Giants are left in disarray once again. Now, hopefully, Darius Slayton is more established. Maybe Golden Tate, more of a connection with Daniel Jones. Maybe he can be a little bit more reliable in terms of his catch percentage and not solely being a big play wide receiver, getting a little bit more reliable. Um, There was a pro football focus post out this week that actually both Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard are like one of a top five. I know people don't like grades. Just relax. They're both like top five, top 10 graded wide receivers coming out of the slot. 
which is insane, which makes my head hurt because you can't have two slot wide receivers on the field at one time. But anyway, if Sterling Shepard goes down, which when Sterling Shepard was on the field in 2019, he was that security blanket that Daniel Jones didn't have. He was a third down security blanket for Daniel Jones. Kind of reminded me of a Steve Smith, and I mentioned this on the show before, but kind of reminded me of what Steve Smith was for early in Eli Manning's career a little bit. And I think if he plays for 16 games, he can fully embrace that role this year. But we're talking about a concussion. We're talking about something that's, you know, if, if we get another head injury to Sterling Shepard, then we're talking about he's going to be out. He's probably going to be out for a while. What that'll be is like his his fourth concussion. Plus, he's had head um, headaches and, th- and concerns with that in the past before. If that happens, we are in a... Bad, bad spot, and I'm very, very worried, and that is an extreme worry that I would never say publicly, but I just did, and I would never tweet about it, but I just said it, and it worries me. No, yeah, because I'm looking at it right here. Yeah, he had the the, the game, I believe it was, it was against the Vikings. He had the head, as they want, the head cranial injuries. Here's grade three is what this website's looking at. Then he had the one in a, on September 8th. So his, yeah, he, like concussions, as you know, are no joke. And as you said, he had that crazy migraine situation. What was that? Was that 2017, I believe, where he like couldn't even like have like a sliver of light come in without his head just like pounding in pain. So yeah, concussion yeah. history yeah. is is a major concern with Shepard. And he's getting up to that number where you're like, okay, this is, a little, it's getting to that point. Like, should you really keep playing? Should you care about your safety? But yeah, if he goes down, I'd said Daniel Jones security blanket off very down was Sterling Shepard. Obviously, hopefully, he could develop a better chemistry with Golden Tate this year. Obviously, he likes Darius Slayton. But when Sterling Shepard's out on the field, the Giants are just a better team because Sterling Shepard, as you said, a third down security blanket. The Giants are just so much better when Sterling Shepard is out there playing football. And he just contributes so much to this team. He's, he's such a factor for our offense. Yeah, because he's the one guy that finds zones in the defense. He's the one guy that finds places and finds spots to be open. Now, this isn't to say that Darius Slayton and Golden Tate aren't guys that move the chains. Actually, Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard were pretty close up together in terms of third down receptions last year. They were top 10, top 15 in the NFC. In the NFC as a conference, not the league, but just in the NFC as a conference, they were they were pretty close together in third down receptions. But just, you know, again, difference between eye test and the stats is Sterling Shepard was more of a reliable target in terms of a guy that can find space. So uh, we hope that doesn't go wrong, but it's something that can, you know, we're going to get into training camp, Danny, and we're going to think to ourselves, Sterling Shepard's going to play 16 games. All these guys are going to play 16 games and everything is going to be great. And we're going to have a ball, but that's not what this episode's about. So what is your first uh, or what is your second like, bad bad brain bad spot take my second is uh the giants release all your gross ass and then they just enter a kicker hell and they can't find uh, a suitable replacement because look Alder gross house messed up we all know he messed up they, he's in very serious trouble with what he did but let, let, let's make this clear first the giants kept the kicker that was you know we had some very major off the field issues in Josh Brown. They kept him and they kept that hidden quite well until it got public. If Rosas is released, 
he had look just look at 2018. He was a solid kicker. He was one of the best kickers in the league. I know he had the downfall in 2019, but we have to consider that Zach Diossi wasn't on the top of his games, and it was long snapper the uh, to Dixon to Rosas connection wasn't very good. I think if we release Rosas, we're just going to be in a nightmare scenario. When they were trying out kickers last year, yeah, like what uh that uh Bears kicker I forgot his name that did the double joint. Yeah, Blair Walsh, the guy that. Uh, shank the field goal in the wild card game for the Vikings. Rosas is honestly, I think, the best option for kicker. You give him one more year to prove himself and just hope he doesn't get in trouble again because I think Rosas is still a quality kicker in this league. There's not a lot of things that Bobby and I don't agree on. Or there's a lot. There's not a lot of things that Bobby and I do agree on. One of the things that we do agree on is just our lack of interest in talking about special teams. But your, your kicker, you need to talk about it. You need to talk about it and you need to think about it a little bit. But there's a lot of data that actually shows that kickers that have amazing years, amazing like years, and, and Rosas really did have like a, a franchise setting year for like uh, kickers. And there's a lot of data that shows that the next year they kind of go down a little bit and they kind of hit like their reality check a little bit. Now, I think Mason Crosby, and you, Danny, you might remember this. I'm trying to think of maybe just examples on top of my head. Mason Crosby is the one that does pop up where he would be a pretty solid kicker for Green Bay. And then there was like a year or two where he really didn't look too good. And now he's kind of recovered and he's stabilized again. Am I going crazy or is that right? Do you, I, I think I'm right in that regard. I, I think I, I do remember some years where um he just like fell apart. I'm looking at some of these stats. I, I pulled them up because you said that he had a one year he was 85.7 in field goal percentage, and then he dropped down to 63 percent. Yeah, and then he rebounded. Yeah. Then he went down to 78 percent, and then he's been 81, 91. So he's been improving. I, I agree with you 100. Their kickers they can have highs and then they can have lows, but I think Rosas can truly bounce back. If, if you had a, you know, hey, Justin, put a gun to your head and, and make a decision on what's going to happen with Aldra Grossas. He's going to get suspended for the four games. Giants are going to bring in somebody who's younger. We may limp through those four games and Aldra Grossas comes back. But some, something that I we actually never announced on the podcast, Danny, and Bobby and I never announced this, that kicker that followed us on Twitter, Matthew McCrane, deleted his Twitter account. Or he deactivated. Are you kidding me? Have we were we bamboozled? We may have been bamboozled because we were thinking like between the three of us, we were thinking like, oh, did we get like a scoop? Did we get something? No, we're not going to tweet it out. We'll we'll hint. We'll tweet out some hints that maybe we know something, but we're not reporters. And then then he DM'd us and he asked us to to retweet his pin tweet about him kicking in MetLife for the Guardians. And we did. And it's like, yeah, he got some attention and he got some extra followers. And it's like, yeah, publicity, good publicity. You know, maybe he's going to be the new Giants kicker. And now I, I can't find when we DM'd him because he deactivated his account. I'm I'm mad. I'm now not I'm now not rooting for Matthew McCray. I still have I my OK, uh, but I, 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 <laughs> I, I saw my drafted tweet on him about him attempting that amazing onside kick in 2015. Now I'm deleting it right now because I wasted my time looking for that clip and then writing out a tweet about it. God damn it, Matthew, man. We, I, I was so set on we were going to a scoop about a kicker. I mean, no one's going to care, but it's a scoop on a kicker. It would be talking to first scoop. And the guy just used us for clout and deleted his Twitter account. Unbelievable. Unreal. Unreal.
All right. Well, so, all right. Kicker, kicker, kicker rant over. All right. My next bad take is, or no, not bad take. It, I hope it's a bad take, but my, my next bad brain take is Jabril Peppers at free safety. And I guess just kind of like our secondary as a whole, if things go wrong. Now, Bobby and Anthony, um, you know, they, they've been ones to talk about, uh, particularly, you know, when we talked about Patrick Graham on Patrick Graham's uh, defense episode, and and I feel like everybody's just had this take just in general. Jabril Peppers has the athleticism to play free safety. Patrick Graham like run, likes running a lot of single high safety. He loves running a lot of single high safety, man coverage, press man, yada, 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 you know, backyard ball, um, people would call it. So he likes to run a lot of that. And Xavier McKinney is not a single high free safety. He He's just not. He didn't really play it at Alabama. He had trouble covering even half of the field at times, you know, relying on reading the quarterback's eyes. And that's not a bad thing. He can grow into that role. It's just that he's a rookie and his strongest trait is when he's moving forward in the intermediate game. When he's moving forward, when he's covering tight ends, when he's coming down to the from a safety spot, maybe to the box, maybe to the you know down you know down by the tackle spot, and he's covering tight ends, he's covering running backs, he's going out on a swing pass, he's covering guy that's going out on a swing pass, yada yada yada. That's Xavier McKinney's strength. His strength isn't single high safety. So people are just saying Jabril Peppers can play single high safety, and we're just penciling him there. But I remembered looking at numbers and looking at. Jabril Peppers' productivity when he was back in the Browns before 2018. And Danny, what they were doing with Jabril Peppers before 2018 is, let's just take 2017, for example. The Browns lined up Peppers 80.4% of the time at free safety, which, you know, just knowing Jabril Peppers and knowing how at the NFL Combine, going back to his Combine days, Teams didn't know whether they wanted him to be a linebacker or whether they wanted him to be a safety because they didn't know which spot to play him. So playing him at free safety just doesn't make extreme sense to me because I feel like you're taking away of what Peppers does extremely well. You're taking that right out of his hands. And 2017, I feel like that was one of Peppers' worst seasons. He played a lot at a lot of different spots. The Browns defense threw him all the way around. But in 2018... He only took 39% of his snaps from the free safety spot, had a much better productive season because he settled down at strong safety. And then in 2019 with the Giants, settled down in that strong safety spot, you know, playing, you know, that money backer, strong safety spot, you know, strong safety first and second down, money backer on third downs where maybe he's playing a little bit more in the box. And he had a very good year in coverage and a very good year as a whole. So what I'm worried about, and I would never say this publicly, Actually, you know what? I may say it publicly. I feel like this will be something you, you would say publicly. Yeah, yeah, but I'm still, it's still kind of negative, Nancy, because, Danny, we have no other choice. It's yeah. not like uh, we have no other choice at this point. But looking at what Jabril Peppers has done at free safety in other places in Cleveland, you know, in the one other place that he was, not good. And that worries me because McKinney can't do it. Julian Love, can he? I don't know. Again, this is a guy that's coming from a slot corner spot. Uh, J- Julian Love actually played better in the box himself once Jabril Peppers went out and he was playing strong safety. He's probably going to be starting at nickel corner. So if if that one thing goes wrong, just like, hey, if that one thing of DeAndre Baker goes wrong, that ruins the entire secondary. If this thing goes wrong and, and Patrick Graham can't do the single high safety thing where we can't have a reliable single high safety, 
I feel like we're in big trouble, but my brain doesn't want to go there. No, yeah, I, I agree with you because, as you said, that McKinney doesn't thrive in that role, but neither does Jabril Peppers, and you laid out the stats. That's the one thing that they're going to have to figure out. I, I see some people say that they start uh, Peppers up top and then have McKinney try and get that comfortable feeling up there, but I don't know. That That's just so interesting. I, I like th- that, those, well, that was 2017 stats you said they were from, correct? Yeah, 20, 2017, and then again, you know, 2018, they gave him a more constant and consistent role, where in, even in 2017, they were throwing him out there at cornerback. He was taking snaps, lining up at quarterback, cornerback Jabril Peppers was. There are just some players that aren't Swiss Army Knives, where they can be versatile in their own roles, where Jabril Peppers is a versatile football player where he can do multiple things, but within that strong safety role, not within playing multiple positions, maybe like an Isaiah Simmons can. So he don't play yeah, him yeah, single high. That, that, that's what you were getting. I think. No, this how I, think, no I mean, because, uh, oh, no, here's what I, well, here's what I was getting at. You know, I'm not denying that he doesn't have the athleticism to play single high safety. I am not denying that. He 100% does. Jabril Peppers is an athletic freak. That's one of the things that you like about our safeties. They are athletic freaks. Xavier McKinney, athletic freak. Jabril Peppers, athletic freak. There's a lot of good athletes on this defense. But still, just knowing what he did in Cleveland and knowing how he is much better when he is more in a more consistent role, that's where that thought is coming from. Well, how I think the Giants are going to do this season, I think they're going to have Jabril Peppers sometimes do single high. Have McKinney try and get comfortable in that role. Put McKinney out there in the preseason. Just have him do single high all the time and get the feel for him to see, can he play that or should you try just keep Peppers in that role? I think McKinney can adapt to that role, no doubt in my mind. But if you have to, Peppers. But as you said, Peppers is just so good down by the line. He's just That's the one thing. Peppers and McKinney, I feel like, are so similar and they just have also the same weaknesses at the same time that just hurts them. And the Giants are going to have to figure out, wait, who do they want to sacrifice to put up there? I think it's probably going to be Peppers playing a lot of single high this year. Yeah, unlike Peppers. Peppers has the toolbox to do it. McKinney doesn't, and that's not it's not a bad thing. You know, I with the McKinney draft pick, I've oh, I said this metaphor, and I love this metaphor. Every rose has its thorn. The rose is that the things that McKinney can do well, he does them well, and you like it, and you love it. But, you know, the 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 thorn of taking McKinney is that you didn't get your Winfield and you didn't get your Ashton Davis as a guy that could play the single high spot and you could pencil him in, you know, uh, rub your hands together and be like, oh, that's it. That's our defense. So they're going to have some work to do. Danny, do you have your third bad brain take? I do. And it, it does relate to the secondary. It's uh, James Bradbury doesn't play up to the contract he was given. I just... Got this vibe. I don't know that I feel like you just look at Nate Sold. The Giants gave him a massive deal to believe to come to be the franchise left tackle, dominate, be Eli's blindside protector, and then it all went wrong last year. I feel like for some reason Bradbury's going to come out there. We're hyping him up to be the leader of this clubhouse to go out there be a dominant corner, and he just falls flat on his face. The Giants get him on his. I don't know. He just doesn't play up to the contract. He just gets beat all the time. He can't defend a pass. He can't even get an interception. He just gets blown by every single wide receiver, and he just doesn't play out to the contract. That That's my worst fear going to the season, that James Bradbury just forgets how to play the game of football and just completely sucks. 
Now, Danny, if this was a normal episode and, you know, this is a take that you felt confident in saying and confident in making public, I would say you're crazy. But I can't hate how your brain works. I can't because my brain works in interesting ways and my brain actually works in the complete opposite of you because my a, a good a good brain take and a good outcome take is I said James Bradbury is going to be a signing that we look back on as one of the best free agent, free agent signings in franchise history, like a Plax, Antonio Pierce, Kareem McKenzie. Now, obviously, it involves winning. So <laughs> those three guys and those three free agents, what they have in common is that, hey, we actually won a Super Bowl <laughs> when when those guys were on the roster and Kareem McKenzie, we won, we won two Super Bowls. But neither here nor there, it almost seems too good to be true, right? Where... Uh, uh, James uh, James Betcher. Whoop! We don't want to say that name. Um, Dave Gettleman never, never speaks his name. Yep, I'm sorry. I, I deserve to be put in timeout. Um, Dave Gettleman. You know, this is a former Carolina guy. Dave Gettleman knew him uh, back during his Carolina days, so clearly he feels confident bringing him in. Clearly, he's good for the culture. Danny. Oof. Rough. Um, <laughs> rough take. joke. Algebra Rosas. Algebra Rosas. DeAndre Baker. Um, it's almost too good to be true because especially you see those NFC South wide receivers and how he would go up against, you know, he would go up against Julio Jones, Michael Thomas um, twice a year. And I'm probably forgetting Mike Evans. He would go up against all those guys twice a year and he did pretty darn well. And it's almost too good to be true that he's going to show up to the giants and then he's going to, you know, he's going to crap the bet. And I could see how that's a portion of your brain that thinks that way. So I'm going to hurry through this one take because Anti-Saquon talk is dangerous, but that's why I'm doing it now because. Except for one guy, though. He loves anti-Saquon talk. One yeah, guy, so though, I, I should I, I should send him this clip. Um, <laughs> so Saquon Barkley in 2020 gets bitten by the injury bug again, and it's not one of those things where he misses a ton of games, but like 2019, it hampers his production. And we're kind of like in that, you know, and so once again, we're kind of like in this waiting for Saquon to to break out, but to break out while the team is somewhat trying to be competitive or trying to win games. 2018, we were in a weird time. We were in a win now time, but we shouldn't have been blah, 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 blah. Um, And also, and also based off of this year, Saquon starts to get a reputation as an inefficient running back, meaning we get, we're going to start to get tired of him going east and west and dancing around instead of taking what's in front of him and going north and south. So Danny, I will let you comment on that quickly. That that may be something that I expand upon, but I'm very hesitant to, and I hope like bad brain, bad outcome is we spent a number two pick on this guy, and for the second year in a row, he gets injured again in a position that's very debatable on whether you should be investing in that kind of guy in that kind of position. And even though even though he's hurt, what he's showing us is that he's inefficient and he just doesn't take what's what's in front of him. That's just a scary thought to even think that that that's just mortifying. But I mean, it, it, it unfortunately it, it's there's that's a possibility. I mean, I, after because we all know he returned way too soon from that high ankle sprain. And once his it finally like looked like it was healing up, he started to look like a little bit of the Saquon of old. But that's a real possibility because that, that was the one problem Pat Sherbert told him to address. Just go north and south sometimes. Take what's given. And he has gone back a little bit to that east and west where he doesn't just take what's given. He's tried to be all fancy in the backfield. So that's another possibility that he becomes uh, someone that looks at an inefficient running back that just doesn't get the job done. Because it is also approaching contract time for Saquon. 
or at least if you're going to want to pay him, you may want to start paying him soon because some of these running backs are going to get stupid amount of money. But that is unfortunately a real possibility that he just that, that that's what you said. He needs to go north and south more. He he just needs to learn to take what's in front of it. Because guess what? If you want to pick up a few yards here and there, get like a free yard gain. That that's improvement instead of going east and west, doing all these crazy spins, and then you just lose a yard or two because nothing's working. Take go north and south sometimes because it would pay off. But that's a scary thought of just Saquon getting injured again and just not even being a factor for our offense because this offense, I think, is gonna be built around Saquon just being a force. And if that doesn't work out, we're in massive trouble. Yeah, and we'll get into the good. I want to get into the good, so I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback back to back here. Then Danny, I'll let you go back to back for your for your good takes because it's kind of just like a good transition. So this is good Saquon talk. This is good. We're we're here. We're at the good part of the brain. This is the now the takes that we would never dare say. We would never dare say on Twitter because they're so good. They're so good to be true that if it doesn't happen, we're gonna be stupid. And the receipts are going to come up. The, all the all the receipt monsters out there that like to dig up your old tweets and dig up your bad takes because of how optimistic you are. This is the time for us to shine. So we're giving the disclaimer: do not do not capture screen capture our voices saying these things because I will play this one part of the podcast. But anyway, but if we're correct, you you you, be, you better know we're going to be <laughs> filling this with your timeline saying we are freaking geniuses. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> That is also true. So we are going to win no matter what. <laughs> we're we're going to win this no matter we, what. We only win out here on Talking Giants. So pro, pro Saquon talk. If the Giants finish in the top 10 of average time of possession this season, then they will make the playoffs. Now, I've gone on Twitter and I have kind of said this over and over and over again about the one thing, the one thing that I really feel the Giants need to improve on is their average time of possession. Last year, they were 30th in the, in the National Football League in average time of possession, 28 minutes and 20, 21 seconds. Last in the league was Washington with 27 minutes and 11 seconds, and Arizona was 31st. And doesn't Arizona run like a spread offense that does a little bit of hurry up? I, 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 you, I wouldn't know. I know Arizona runs a fun offense. They have a lot of fun players. They have a lot of fun rushing schemes. But do you know if they do a, a, a hurry up offense? I don't think they do. I- I I don't remember them doing that when we played them. I really don't. Yeah, yeah. But so so maybe maybe they just had a, a very inefficient offense in terms of them not they didn't hold on to the ball that much. Even though the whole point being, you know, looking at Arizona being thirty first, Arizona had a decent offense last year, probably middle of the pack offense last year. But they were ranked thirty first in this. So just because you're ranked thirty first in this doesn't mean that you're going to make the playoffs. And just because you're ranked in the top 10 or the top five in this ranking doesn't mean that you're going to make the playoffs. So actually three teams that finished in the top 10 in average time of possession in the national football league last year, that team being Oakland, Atlanta, and Tampa Bay, those three teams didn't make the playoffs. And Philadelphia was actually second in average time of possession last year, only behind Baltimore. But in my brain and also Danny's brain, we agreed on this pre-show. We don't really consider Philadelphia to be a playoff team. Like, eh, not really. (laughs) Really last year. No, no, no. They only got in because we suck so bad. We should have beat them. I was at that game in pouring rain. God, dude, I'm just gonna flashbash from that nightmare of a scenario game. All right, but let's let's talk good. Let's talk good. Giants 2020. So two of the teams that 
the Giants should feel like they want to model themselves after. That being Baltimore and that being San Francisco. Also Tennessee, but Tennessee for a good portion of the year didn't have their starting quarterback in Ryan Tannehill. They had Marcus Mariota, so Tennessee was actually ranked 27th in the National Football League in average time of possession. But Baltimore was first, San Francisco was fifth. And those are two teams that I really feel like the Giants should model themselves after. They're prioritizing their offensive line. They're prioritizing, you know, with particularly looking at their quarterback as well. You know, if they can have efficient quarterback play early on in games, getting off to quicker starts, which Giants were also very bad at getting off to fast starts, you know, offensively and defensively. There's numbers to back that up too. But if they can get off the fast starts, efficient quarterback play to start the game, and then you have Saquon Barkley, Saquon Barkley, Saquon Barkley, Grounded, grounded, pound, grounded, pound. That's when the that's when the running, you know, the people that love to run the ball. That's when they can have their field day and talk about how valuable running the ball is. When you already have a a uh, a seven point or a fourteen point lead, <laughs> so that's what I feel like the Giants need to model themselves after and after. And if they finish top ten in the NFL in average time of possession, I feel they are going to make the playoffs, especially with the extended playoffs that we have this year. I like the Titans example because the Titans made it so far into the playoffs because of their ability to hold on to the football. Now, granted, I think the Giants, one, they obviously have a better quarterback and they have better receiving options to pass the ball. But the Titans, they just ground and pound with Derrick Henry in the playoffs. And that's how they got into the AFC Championship game. As you said, the Giants need to get out the quicker start. That's been a problem this team has has had for these past feels like few years. They don't get out the quick starts and they're always trailing, trying to get back into the game to get out to those fast starts, get a nice lead. And as you said, just get the ball to Saquon and just run it down their throats, run that clock down. And as you said, those expanded playoffs, the Giants will probably get in, or at least if that happens, I believe, but yeah, we need to get that time of possession up. Cause I'm just tired of going three and outs. It feels like every single drive. And then the other team just goes out there and just holds the ball for what feels like half an hour. Yeah. Because, when you hold the ball on, I mean, here, here, you, you want you want some really good advanced football talk right now. When you hold the ball on offense, you're not allowing points on defense, Danny. Uh, that's that's kind of how football works. And also, this this kind of here, we'll, we'll we'll hint back at Saquon again. If Saquon can take what's in front of him and you know get the three yard gain, get the four yard gain, you know, keep those big legs churning. You got those big legs for you. They call you Saquads for a reason, bud. Turn those legs, turn those legs, turn the two-yard gain into a four or five-yard gain with the yards after contact. Push the pile if nothing's in front of you. And then, therefore, you can sustain drives more easily instead of, you know, when you have maybe a four-yard gain that's right in front of you, if you try to bust it outside and maybe you, you lose a yard or you only gain two, and then you're putting your team in a lot tougher of a spot. So, Danny, um, give me your give me give me two of your good brain takes, good outcome takes back to back and we'll and we'll and we'll talk about them simultaneously here. All right, I'm going to get the most outrageous one out of the way. This one that was the one I said I added. Nate Solder has his best season to date as a Giants right tackle. Oh, going to let that one going to let that one sink in for a second. <laughs> I'm saying that because if you go back, go back and look at 2018, Nate Solder sucked the first half of the season, but that second half, his play improved, and you cannot deny that. Now, last year, he he was god awful. He had some family issues off the field that I believe, there's no way it wasn't weighed down on his mind and affected his play. Now he has well, he didn't have a true offseason to get used to Daniel Jones, but 
hopefully training camp will get used to how Daniel Jones played because before he played for quarterbacks, Eli Manning and Tom Brady, that got the football out very quickly. I don't know how quickly they got out, but it was like maybe at least under two seconds sometimes or maybe at that two-second mark, they got that football out. Daniel Jones liked to hold on to the football. So if he could get that chemistry going, knows how Daniel Jones plays the game, he, now he's not the blind side guy. Nate Solder can really maybe develop and play well. Because in the in the beginning part of this offseason, when the whole Nate Solder talk started and Andrew Thomas got drafted, I took advantage of that, did some Nate Solder uh, clips and watched him play right tackle, and he was quite good. I think he could develop and be a quality right tackle this year, and heck, maybe next year, but he got Matt Pert. But I think Nate Solder drastically improves this year and is a quality right tackle for the New York Giants. I like that. I really do like that because I genuinely do believe that the best version of the New York football giants in this offensive line this year is Andrew Thomas at left tackle and a good and a good to average solid veteran presence of Nate Solder at right tackle. I really genuinely believe that. But Danny, that again, that that's that is a very good take to have that you would never tweet out. Like I think like that take that I have is very fair. I think it's like, oh, a, a, an, an average Nate Solder is best for the team. But to go out and say that Nate Solder is going to have his best season in blue in 2020, oh yeah, no, don't don't tweet that and press send and then just leave it, then just leave and walk away, go get a coffee or something. You know what I'm talking about? So what's your what's your second like good brain, a good outcome take? Uh, uh, before I get that, Bobby said I need to change my pin tweet. Maybe I'm that confident I'll make that my pin tweet. Uh, my second, <laughs> my, my second good take is if Evan Ingram is healthy, if he's healthy, he will be the number one tight end in the league. I'm saying it now because if you look, if you look at Evan Ingram, if, when he's out there, he's a force. No, no normal linebacker can cover him. It, it's impossible. I looked it up. I read it on some website, I don't remember where, but he was on pace for 1,000 yards last year before yeah. he got injured. Daniel Jones, he showed it at Duke. He liked his tight end at Duke. And I believe so far when Evan Ingram was out there, Daniel Jones loved giving the ball to Evan Ingram. And just reference that play against the Buccaneers. A simple drag route. Evan Ingram took that, what, was it 70 yards to the house for a touchdown? He's a matchup mm-hmm. nightmare for linebackers. Daniel Jones, I believe another security blanket for him is his tight end. He showed that with Kata Smith. I believe he... He showed that with Evan Ingram. When he, Evan Ingram's out there, he's a force, and he will be the number one tight end this year if he plays all 16 games. If he can play all 16 games, he will be the number one tight end. Now, I'm not an expert on the air courier offense, but I'm gonna I'm gonna hear you out here, Danny, because I'm I'm like I'm liking your thought process. I'm liking this take. Because if I'm thinking about air courier, and again, I'm not an expert on it. It's looking downfield first and then working your way back towards the line of scrimmage and back towards the intermediate routes. So if Darius Slayton is running down the field and, you know, Daniel Jones doesn't feel like he has something, if Sterling Shepard is maybe in the middle of the field, intermediate, down by the first down sticks, and doesn't feel like he has much, you know, what Tony Romo did and what Dak Prescott did is they would always work their way back to Jason Witten. Always work their eyes are working their way back to Jason Witten, and Jason Witten would catch these, you know, the five to seven yard, you know, curl routes, the the button hooks, you know, the the square ins, the square outs towards the sideline. You know, that was the bread and butter of Jason Witten and Tony Romo for all those years. And you know, it's <laughs> as Giants fans, we're scratching our heads saying, why can't we just stop? Jason Witten is slow. Why can't we stop? <laughs> so. Moving on to 2020, now Jason Garrett's obviously the offense coordinator here. 
Why can't that happen with Evan Ingram? You know, those those button hooks, those those square ins, those square outs, and Evan Ingram is a guy that he can break some tackles, he can get the yards after contact, and he can get the yards after the catch. That's absolutely lethal. So, Danny, I'm liking it, I'm loving it, and I want some more of it. Do you know that country song? I like it, I love it, I want some more of I'll, it. I'll, you know I'm going to be, I have no clue what that song oh, is. Such a, such a good song. Such a good song. I can't even tell yeah, you it's by, is it by also, Straight? <laughs> You're asking yeah, the wrong guy, but as you said, Jason Wynn looked like God playing against us for some reason. I think Evan Ingram could be the same way. Evan Ingram's faster. He's a nightmare matchup for line. Why can't Evan Ingram be the number one tight end? Someone give me a two reason why he can't. You can't unless he's injured. That's a good reason why he can't be a number one tight end in the league. Danny, it's Tim McGraw. It's not George Strait. Do you know? Who oh, Tim I do McGraw know who is? Tim McGraw is, though. I do know who Tim McGraw is. Yeah, though. good. Good. Okay. Best country it. band is a uh, Florida Georgia Line. Oh, okay. All right, I can dig it. That that that's a joke, by the way. Well, I I, I took. It. I'm very gullible. That's I'm very gullible. If we're gonna continue this co-host dynamic, some you're gonna be able to get away with a lot of gu- like uh, jokes that you, or statements that you can say that are totally false. But I'll just believe you. I'll just be like, yeah, sure, whatever. I, um, I can't let it, I can't let that be my legacy. <laughs> I actually have another I have another good tight end take and I think we'll do we'll do two more I have two more do you have any more good 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 brain good outcome takes I have two more I think one actually kind of combined with the Evan Ingram one so if you have one yeah I'll go I'll go through mine quick I'll go through mine quick because it's also a tight end take Levine Toy Lolo is going to be a force he is going to be an absolute force He has lined up at right tackle for the 49ers before. He has lined up as a tight end on passing plays. Shocker, but hear me out. But hasn't gone out for a route and blocked edge rushers operating in pass sets. He has literally been like just another offensive lineman who has operated in pass sets and who has stayed square with edge rushers coming off. And it's been absolutely awesome. He should be lining up as a fullback, chipping edge rushers, and being a check down option for Daniel Jones. Now, some may disagree with this. I think Bobby has outwardly disagreed with this before. But on a first and 10 or third and short, when the Giants are running out of 12 personnel, it should be Caden Smith, Levine Toilolo on the field at the same time. They are the two best Giants blocking tight ends. Not to say that Evan Ingram can't block. He is a very good effort blocker. But you have a weapon in Levine Toilolo. He shouldn't just be your number three tight end. He should be used. He should be utilized. He should be maximized. And also, as an effort to keep Evan Ingram freaking healthy and keep him in bubble wrap, Evan Ingram's snap count should be down a little bit this year. Now, this doesn't mean that Evan Ingram doesn't have huge potential as a receiving tight end, but get him off the field. Levine Toilolo should be on the field and utilized for what he's good at. That is as a blocking tight end, but also he's good in other areas as well. He's good with, you know, blocking in those pass sets, and he also can catch the ball a little bit. So Levine Toilolo, that also goes with my your with uh, with your tight end take and with a tight end take as well. It's so important for this offense, uh, Danny. Let's go a little bit of rapid fire here. What do you got for me next? My next one also involves tight ends. Is uh, Evan Ingram and Kata Smith are a top five tight end duo this season? Now, when Kata Smith was out there, he proved he can hold his own. Uh, when Jason Garrett was the head coach of Dallas, obviously he wasn't the office coordinator, but they had Blake Jarwin, Jason Winnin that went out there. And Blake Jarwin did some nice things. So maybe Evan Ingram is the Jason Winnin equivalent, and then Kata Smith is the Blake Jarwin equivalent for the Giants. I, they are two... Di- I just mean myself. They are two good tight ends, and I believe when they are out there at the same time, I think 
they will be a fantastic duo to watch, and they would be a top five duo in the league. All right, I'm finishing off. I have my final take, and this is one I definitely, definitely would never say. I've subtly said it because this tweet did very well, but I will never fully say it like in a written-out tweet. Leonard Williams, in every statistical category, is going to have a better season than Yannick Ngakwe besides sacks, but hopefully he won't be that far behind. Danny, I'm going to read you something that I've tweeted out before, and I've said every once in a while on the podcast, but I want to repeat it again. Yannick Ngakwe versus Leonard Williams numbers. Now, this Leonard Williams numbers, he played eight games with the Giants. This is when he was on a six. This is what he was on pace for with the Giants on a, on a 16 game rate. He played an eight. So in 2019, Leonard Williams on a 16 game pace, 12 QB hurries, 20 QB knockdowns, 34 QB pressures, 22 QB hits, 52 total tackles. Now, let me just do a quick, quick glance by yes. Um, Yes, every single one. So I'm going to read you Yannick Ngakwe's numbers, those same numbers. Leonard Williams was better in every single category and the and the, you know, and all these stats that I'm about to read you. 10 QB hurries, 9 QB knockdowns, 27 QB pressures, 15 QB hits, 41 total tackles. And those were Ngakwe's numbers in 2019. I'm intentionally leaving off sacks. I'm intentionally doing that because it's, you know, right this is my thought, this is my brain and sacks are important, but guess what? Leonard Williams is a pretty damn good football player, and everybody is going to have to eat crow and like him eventually. No, nah, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, you're right. You're right, though. I agree with you. Leonard Williams is a good football player. And, I mean, if you go look at the tape, I mean, he made a presence for the Giants defense last year. It, it, it's true. Uh, he freed up guys for, like, Dallas Thompson and Dexter Lawrence to make, do a little bit more damage. I, I, I agree with you. Leonard Williams is going to be a force this year for the defense. And the people, are, I believe, will eat their words. Obviously, you you could still have your gripes with the trade. Obviously, losing a third round pick kind of sucks. Yes, but he, I, but I it's believe, over. He, it's over. yeah, it's over. You, we, you got accepted now. We paid our penance. Penance that we paid for that trade was sitting on draft weekend between our second round pick and our comp pick that we had late in the third round. That was our penance. We sat through it. We did it. It's over. Now let's rock and roll. And the yeah. reason why I bring up Yannick Ngakwe out of, you know, why why Yannick Ngakwe out of all players, it's because he was Giants Twitter darling when he was supposed to be traded. That's why I bring him up, because he did the uh, the edited LT pictures. Yeah. And, I mean, hey, if he say he wants to sit out and doesn't play for Jacksonville, you just look like a genius because Leonard Williams will be better than him than every statistical category. That's the big brain move right there. <laughs> Including sex. <laughs> big brain move right there by Justin thinking of the the possible outcomes. And so my final one, it's nothing crazy. I'm just saying it cuz I want everyone to know I love Corey Coleman and I'm willing to die on the hill. Corey Coleman will go out there and be a major contributor on special teams. Now, I I did a little another little plug right there on the player preview articles. Uh I, I you go to his pro football reference page and when he was out there for 2018 returning kicks to the Giants, he was quite good. He returned 20 free kicks for 598 yards, which 26 yards per kick return. He returned a single punt for 19 yards. He's just a quality special teams guy you want out there. Now, obviously, you got to have worries about how much has he lost since he tore his ACL. But he's a quality special teams guy, and he was out. And when he was out on the field for the Giants catching passes, he wasn't awful. He didn't. He wasn't amazing, but he made some good catches here and there. But his value is 
very obvious on special teams. And he, and just look, go back and look at that. Um, what was it? The San Francisco game from 2018. Some of the returns he had, it set the Giants up in some fantastic field position and allowed them to score. That's another thing. The Giants have not had a quality kick returner. What they had, Dwayne Harris for those years. That Dwayne Harris literally did absolutely nothing. He wasn't so, that great. <laughs> he, yeah, he, he wasn't that great until he went to Oakland and returned a punt for like however many yards. But when Corey Coleman's out there, he will he sets us up in good field position. It gives the Giants offense in a better position to put points on the board. That's something we've lacked, and I believe Corey Coleman will go out there and drastically improve our special team return unit. All right. Danny, we did it. We voiced a lot of the takes. Now, we have some more written down. But we voiced a lot of the takes that we would never, ever say publicly and we would never say on the podcast. We just voiced them, all the wild and outrageous takes. So we hope to see and hear and talk to you, all of you soon. I'm terrible at wrapping up shows. That is one thing. I, I have probably been on however many podcasts. Um, I've been on 105 of Bleeding Blue, maybe 40 of Talking Giants. I probably have been on almost 170 podcasts, yet I'm terrible at wrapping up shows. Happy 4th of July week. We'll definitely hear from us. Come on Friday. Danny King, thank you for joining me. This was a lot of fun. Um, until later in the week, enjoy your 4th of July week. Stay safe, and let's go Big Blue.